Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Do it live. Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Welcome to another Herd App production of Wired Access Podcast. I'm your host, DJ K-Dub Omaha. To my left, I have a 2024 out of Bellevue West, the T-Birds, Nick Riggs. To his left, I have from Coffee and Cream, the morning show on 590 and Herd App Sports, Andrew Rogers. Welcome, guys. I appreciate you coming on. This kid right here is not a kid to me no more. I've known him (laughs) since the age of seven, but he made a big decision this summer. He made a college decision. And that's when I like to get to know a different side of the athlete. When you look at the sport of baseball, that's the sport you chose to do at the local UNO for the Mavericks. Obviously, we know they've owned the state of Nebraska this year. The facilities are up there on top notch. But we have to get to the kids' side of you. The kids' side of you starts baseball at a young age. You did coach pitch. You were on yep. a different team than my son, but there was one coach that kind of saw all these kids at this all-star game and saw that they wanted to play. Where did that drive for baseball at a young age start? Um, It started for me uh, real early. Uh, started for me since I was in the backyard with my dad my uncle and just um, little stuff like that, I think, just kind of in love with hitting a ball off the tee and running around um biggest thing was my dad making sure i stayed kind of in that love and didn't fall out or get lazy or complacent on that stuff so well especially because at a young age you also did other sports and you're an athlete athletes are athletes You, you can play one sport you can play the next sport and go through it like it's easy without but you go from love to love. Right. One moment you love baseball because you're in oh, it. For sure. End of the season, when it gets hard, it gets rough, you start losing that love, and then basketball season comes, and then right. you're like, sweet, I'm into basketball, I'm in it, and then I lose it. What turned for you to make you just go one sport? Yeah, so the biggest thing um, was, so I think about when I was 10, maybe 11 is when I kind of stopped playing basketball into junior high um, all, as well as when I stopped. But I think the biggest thing was kind of the um, the time management of it all, being able to make sure I have enough time because baseball has always been kind of my number one passion. Basketball was just kind of to stay on track of being an athlete. Um, I think it, it ultimately, the biggest decision was to make sure I have a good off season so I can be prepared for the next season as well. So that was huge. Now, Andrew, you've interviewed so many people, and when when you think of sports at young ages, it's hard to go to one sport. You want these people to be multi-sport athletes, but when they know what they feel, how can you determine the difference between doing one sport or multiple? I think that's just up to the person. Like when and at what age do they feel like they need to make that decision, make that call? Uh, For me, I played four sports in high school. I swam, played soccer, played basketball, and then I played baseball. And I, and I just did that rinse, rinse, repeat, right? You know, wash, rinse, repeat every single season for four years. And I don't think because I gave myself such a variety that I ever excelled in one area because I would only get better during that season instead of getting better in the off season, like Nick's talking about so that he's already upgraded when that season rolls back around, I guess, Nick, my question for you, because when I got recruited, I didn't get recruited at the division one level. And because of that, it it was how I, how I chose to operate in, in high school. And I wouldn't change it, you know, for the world, but at what point in your life 
did you know that you were going to play college baseball or like division one baseball? Yeah. Because, you know, at some point you're going to all these camps and you're like, am I better? Well, than I mean, the rest right, that are here is right. my velo uh, up to par For with sure. some of these other guys. And as a pitcher, it's probably even harder because you have to take your individual success and showcase exactly. that. And also, try to stay humble at the same time yeah um i think so the base thing for me um kind of realizing that was i would say um i've noticed it always since i was a young age i've always been pretty um active on staying on top of um, my competition i think the biggest thing was my switch from uh, my freshman to sophomore year the offseason had a kind of a shaky be um, beginning to my high school years and um after in that offseason, I just kind of flipped switch and all right, like I know like this is what I can do and I know I 100% have the ability to do it. So flipped switch, uh, got bigger, trained harder. I think it was that offseason where I kind of ultimately decided. And then that, that turns into just confidence well, at the end but, of the day. You just right. take that and just, I mean, you yeah. have reached your peak now in, in your brain of saying like, I can do this. Like yeah. before it was like, I want to do this. Now it's a, I can. For sure. See, and, and of course, knowing some of your background besides breaking the window on my truck, you know, whatever, <laughs> from a foul ball. You can went, I do that too? Like, no, can I just go out no, the parking man, lot I, I left it, it forever. <laughs> like, I, I left it, it for, a couple years. So yeah. many people would go, what happened? I was like, yeah, that was about three man. years ago, four years ago, yeah. five years ago. And they look at you funny. <laughs> yeah, look they're like, you're just not fixing it. I'm like, it's not doing nothing. I could see through. Still, I'm good. Still good. Still good. Until but it pales. Until, <laughs> until it, it ain't good. But when you look at what you learned through, you played on some teams at ultimate levels. Right. You've done some traveling at ultimate levels on Little League. Or where did that guide you to your high school? How did that start and show you that the competition here goes well beyond Omaha? Right. I mean, you've played on some of the prospects, some of the up-and-coming things that are showing this is what Nebraska has to offer. Yeah, so um, I think just being able to kind of see other competition, whether it's from Omaha or not, um, gets you get to see kind of how everybody else gets to do things, whether that's, I mean... Just going from, so we were in Kansas City going from, I mean, some teams not taking in and out, some teams at a little bit lower of a level, some teams doing all the prep stuff and being able to see that kind of cool area of, you know, whatever talent that they have. I think it shows that there's definitely more than just what you see. Like, it keeps getting harder and harder the older you get. And the um, level of competition isn't so much as far as here anymore. And it kind of slowly keeps creeping on you. So you got to make sure you stay at that top rank or else it'll it'll creep. Well, and and for you, you had some tough decisions at a young age in, in high school. Yep. You first started out at Creighton Prep. You move off to Bellevue West. Right. Those decisions aren't easy. No. There's a lot of reflection. But you grew up that way where you and your parents analyze is this the best scenario for our son? Yeah. And for you to realize, right. what was the biggest mental struggle during that time? Because it, it's there is some mental part that people don't see because no. it's you, you're a very strong, quiet guy. Yes. You're not the guy that's out here talking. What was probably one of the hardest things during that process? Yeah, so during that whole process of um, kind of one of the biggest decisions I've had to make so far of switching schools and playing for um, – my coach Rocky, who I love, I think it was it was one of those things where it's something you can't wait and sit on. It's got to be an ultimate decision quick because it was approaching the Legion baseball. And I think it was 
it was a moment where it was just kind of like, okay, this is what it's going to be. I either do it or I don't. And that's going to be how it plays out for the next four or five years. Um, I think Shaki helped, um, helped me a lot in that process and my parents as well, being able to kind of soothe me in that being, Hey, like we're totally open to have you here, make you a better ball player. Um, yeah, it, it was tough kind of, especially seeing that I'll be leaving. I mean, what I know of high school already. So yeah, and at such a young age, obviously for me, I'm seeing a full circle. I, I look beyond the the switching from Creighton Prep right. to Bellevue West. What many don't know is your very first batting coach, Shockey. I remember at the eights, that's that was their very first batting coach was when we were at Bellevue West in their tunnels and Coach Shockey's give. It's weird how that complete circle yep. goes. How does that feel for the family and for yourself? Yeah, no, it feels real good. Just kind of knowing or being up at UBA all the time, seeing them, whether I was with them, or whether I was coached by them or not during that time. It was kind of cool to see them, always being able to kind of be around them and know the name. Um, kind of was a lot easier to go into that whole switching of schools. It was a lot simpler, I guess, instead of like, oh, I don't even know who the coach is kind of thing. But no, they, it's great knowing them and being able to play for them. They're a family in and of itself, especially with baseball and just outside of that. Well, you see all the support the T-Birds give, both social media, off social media, um, just growing as a family. What's the biggest thing that you think you're leaving as an impact for Bellevue West to be better than when you got there? Yeah, so um, a big, I have a couple of things. So the biggest thing I think is honestly off-season stuff. I, I help structure that a lot with the coaches and kind of help push guys for off-season stuff, whether that's incoming freshmen that might not have the ability that uh, me or some other guys do and to kind of push that and to help progress that. So when they're seniors and juniors, they can be amazing on varsity. Um, the offseason, I've definitely tried to help with, tried to push guys in the weight room as well. I think that's a huge part of it. And then outside of that, um, in school, open this offseason to get a little um, clubhouse locker room going. We've got we've got a big plans for sheds built, and that'll be pretty cool to see all of our guys enjoy that. So that'll be fun. So you talk about a lot of footprint and what you can leave as an impact. You're hearing a young man, 16 years old, not even, not, not, right. not even Much there. Much more mature than I was at that age. <laughs> but thinking of that going to your one of your areas that you love, you and know the school, and seeing yeah. that this is what they're getting. Soft place in my heart. How, how does that go full circle for everything that you see you and know going towards? Well, I just know that Nick is everything that you and know embodies. So what Coach Porter really likes in players is not just the talent. It's about the person and the leader. And just by hearing that last answer, I can just I just know Court, Coach Porter fell in love with the person that Nick is, not the player. Like you can love a guy. How fast do you throw? Um, I've touched low 90s. I've been put it this way at the at throws heat at the nine years old. He gave my son catcher's thumb because he's a lefty and my son's a righty Mm -hmm. to where my son had to wear a brace. Like that's how fast this kid has been throwing for the longest. So you throw low 90s. You'll probably upper 80s. Yeah. Yeah. But you'll still keep working on your craft so that that becomes a consistent number and and he'll stay strong and in his efforts to keep that arm fresh. But aside from all of that pitchers aren't on the mound every single day exactly you have to be that off-field leader that you have to be the number one fan of your team when you are sitting in the dugout you know down at the bullpen you have to be the person that people can lean on 
that you're, you're just going to be their biggest fan. Yeah. And so just based on his answer there about the footprint that he's leaving, I just, I, Brian probably loved it. Porter oh, yeah. loved it. The team Strong, probably yeah. loved it. I, you'll make just an instant, instant impact on this team. And Nick, when you look at what's going on around you and, you, and you're seeing, obviously trying to build something, who's the number one inspirational person that has led you to be who you are when it comes to pitching and being that off and on the field leader? Yeah. So the biggest um, thanks I got to give for that baseball wise, got to be my dad. I mean, he's, um, he's done unbelievable time measures for me. He's helped me with everything, a lot of mental stuff that nobody really realizes and not uh, just kind of um, roll into things kind of mentality, a, a true like um, hardhead mentality of being a bulldog and just kind of being able to get stuff done. He's helped me a lot. Um, the other person I'd have to say to be a switch roles would be my mom. Uh, she she helps me with stuff that's off the field that makes sure I'm still uh, a person, not a robot for baseball. So she, they both really put in a whole lot of time and effort for me. You know, there's two types of losers, Kendall. There are two types. The ones that are robotic in sports, the ones that can only do what they're One, told, yeah, and then the ones that just can't listen. No. And he, Nick doesn't fall into either of those categories, just based on what I heard right there. Yeah. <laughs> because you can't really. I want I want a lot of kids to know that like you can't just listen to what your coach is telling you no. to do. Like they can they can guide you there. But you also have to be able to work through the different moments. Yeah. And especially in baseball, you can't it, – it's the hardest sport to get over mentally. For sure. The hardest sport, especially if you're a position player. You cough up a ground ball in the third inning, you may not get another ground ball no, until game. the seventh For inning. Sure. Yeah. And you're thinking about that at every at-bat that you get up to. You think about that every time yeah. a pitch is thrown. Yeah. And then from a pitching standpoint, if you can't hit the zone, the, it's a tough day. you have to quickly overcome that moment yeah. and find the zone, but still not give up a softy. Right. Not give up a pitch dead center of the plate that just can get whacked 450 feet over the fence. <laughs> right. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up. What would be that one thing that you do on the mound that can reset your mental? What's what's the go-to that you look forward to when Nick has one bad pitch and has to turn around and come with the heat? Yeah, so um, biggest thing for me that sets me apart from what I've seen and it just kind of helps me be the pitcher I'm able to be is my pace. Um, making sure I'm always having my pace in check because I see a lot of guys with slow tempo on the mound or when they get into kind of a lull that they start falling out of their pace and it's real slow. Infield kind of is, is falling asleep behind them. Um, biggest thing, is, like I said, is pace. Being able to step on um, step on the opponent's throat no matter what situation you're in. Being able to say, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm ready to go. So. Um, yeah, that's the biggest thing. So and do you like pace. the pitch clock at higher levels then? Yeah, I don't mind it. I really don't mind it. I think I think it's good. You see a lot well, of if you guys. like pace. Yeah, he's a he's a rhythm type kid. I, right. Like even even from a young age, like he would go off rhythm for a very short time and and reset it and and, right. and you could just tell the mentality coming from each yeah. pitch was was it was overlooked of what just happened. Mm-hmm. I'm in my rhythm. Just give me my rhythm. Did it always work out? No, it never always works out. But just having that mentality of this is a game that will find every mm-hmm. disadvantage to give you, everything right. against you. What's the strongest strength that you have for yourself to overcome that every disadvantage against you? Yeah. Um, 
Your question was my biggest strength. Yeah. Um, biggest strength I have. So going off of, um, I was just going to comment, going off of what you guys just said, kind of being able to work off what you say just threw off the mound. I think that's my biggest uh, strength, having a kind of a four or five pitch mix that I can work in no matter what is working well, what is kind of grooving for me today. So say my off speed's only working today, I can predominantly throw that and still be effective in zone, out of zone with strikeouts. Um, being able to have that mix um, makes me a whole lot harder to hit. So that's well, and you're amongst some players where they don't get the option to do infield outfield. You have a couple pitchers only right. POs as they yep. call them. What, how do you keep the atmosphere and the drive for those pitchers that are pitchers only being a leader? How can you help some that might not understand it? Because I could tell you if I'm going at a high school level, that isn't the only thing I want to do. Right. And then they see a Nick Riggs who's getting to do infield, outfield. Yeah. Like, it's got to mentally take a toll on some of those kids, right? Yeah, it does. So I think the biggest thing with that, um, I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to play both ways, being able to kind of always be on the field and be a leader no matter what I'm doing. Um, I think biggest thing is what people don't really see a lot is in the dugout, making sure whether it's keeping book, um, keeping cheering on your teams, getting their gloves ready if you're a pitcher only. Um kind of always being in tune with your team um, and not being able to step out and say, hey, I'm on my off day. Uh, making sure you're always kind of engaged in the other guys is huge. Nick, what's, what's your advice in baseball? Like, what is like your thing? Is it like, I got to eat sunflower seeds? Is it, I can only drink purple Gatorade? Is it, I <laughs> only listen to this type of music before the game? One. What's your advice? Uh, my teammates would laugh at this one for sure. Um, a lot of people don't eat during games. Um, I've got a whole bag just for food. Um, I've got two or three protein shakes usually in there, uh, protein bars, candy. I have, I eat some every inning. I, I make sure I'm eating something, whether it's, whether it's Mike and Ike usually or a protein bar, some I'm, I've got to eat. So that's, that's my thing. I knew a kid in Sioux city. Um, gosh, where did he play? Uh, I can, I can picture the school. I drove, I drove there all the time. I'm going to say it was in Boyden. Um, regardless uh he would always bring a cooler to the game and i would shoot i i used to be a, a sports reporter and i would shoot games from inside the dugout because that's where they wanted us at this field and i remember stepping on his p3 pack on the ground and like, oh, you no. know those little protein packs and the snack yeah. things go everywhere and you know he was so he was he was physically upset <laughs> because i just ruined his you ruined my oh yeah yeah his whole vibe yeah and so i knew i'd be back i'm like sorry man i can't do anything about it now like i gotta turn this game around for the news like it's just gonna have to be this way but the next time i came back i brought like four or five p3 packs and i go you are the only person i know that eat or eats during the game and now I know a second person that eats during the baseball yeah, game, but no. he eats round the clock. The other uh, kid did I've not. Got, uh, yeah, and my, my teammates love it too. I'm always giving stuff out. We we need so so in state. We were kind of so you're like the parent after oh, the yeah, game in, oh, yeah. in little league. That the right, we, oh, everybody's yeah. got to get a we juice box. Always got to get, get some. We were low on energy a little bit. Brought a big old five pound bag. Mike and I threw it out on the. Uh, Doug, I said, where do you get, get a five some? pound bag of Mike and Sam's Club, man? They got everything. They got everything. Not great. sponsored by. No, I wish. <laughs> yeah, that's great though. That's that's my thing. So. so, so you of course went through your younger life a lot of coaching by dad. Yep. How does it feel when he's not 
in the dugout. How did you make that transition? I think in this day and age, there is a lot of dad coaches. There is, there is a lot, obviously your bond is different because you're not taking the coaching, but you're living the coaching and you're trying to take it beyond that. Cause trust me, I try all the time to tell my son, this is what the coach is looking at. I'm telling you dead in your eye. Cause I know how do you go from that and be able to accept now it is all, not him. He's there just to enjoy himself. Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest thing with that um, is definitely keeping his coaching with me, whether he's with me or not, whether we're able to go to the cages on off night or something like that, is being able to keep um, what he's told me and um, what he's been giving me as my mentor to keep on the field because he's not always there and uh, he won't be there coaching, obviously. So being able to keep his gameplay inside of my book is huge uh, at the dish, whether it's at the dish, uh, on the mound, on the field, it's everything. So, yeah. Of course you wore the number nine through your little league days. 16, 16, 16. sorry. 16. Just flip that nine around. And yeah. Have one in front yeah. Of it. You wore 16. What did that number go to? Yeah. So now I'm at 32. Uh, so I wasn't able to wear 16. next level is what we call that right yeah, there. Right. Do- what do- happens when you up. add 16 together? <laughs> I was doubling up. Yeah. So one of my So is your next number in college gonna double that number? If 32 is not there, I'll be 64. Right? I'll be He's there. Get to the league and be 128, the I'll, only hundred number. I'll draw I'll draw on a one on there. Yeah. That's but right. I think so yeah, one of my buddies, uh Colin Flores, I played with him through Little League. He played for Bellevue Bruins. Um he was on Bell West. He's always been 16. I said, You're here first. I said, I understand that. So I'll I'll double it up. I'll be 32. So yeah. And then if you look at your pitching style, the pitching that you reflect, which Major League Baseball player did you look up to when it came? Yeah, so a guy I look at a lot is uh, Scherzer. So he's he's a dude on the mound. I mean, he's talking in his glove. He's setting the pace himself. It's his game when he's on the mound. Um, I, I try to resemble that as much as I can. I like, I like his pace, and I like his gameplay. It's awesome. St. Louis product. Oh, uh, my. I knew that was going to come out. This guy's from St. Louis, unfortunately, yeah. fortunately, but hey, I'm on the other don't side. Don't hate on don't hate on my people now, Kendall. I'm no, hate. don't hate I'm on them. No hate, Just man. because we have different colored eyes sometimes <laughs> and we're one of the best pitchers in baseball doesn't mean that because we're from St. Louis, it's a bad thing. That's right. Yeah. That's right. When you look at the process of recruiting, it went quick for you. Good. You're in town. You're local. What? was the first feeling you got from you and oh prior to even making this decision that you're like this is where i want to be yeah so um it started honestly pretty early with my my sophomore year it was kind of a just a dead period in recruiting it was kind of weird seeing other kind of coaches and colleges reach out it was a kind of want thing but it wasn't there it was kind of a wait and i was what didn't really want to wait um, and UNO um, jabbed right away. They they saw who I was. They saw I was in town talent, and they made they made a decision right away within a couple of weeks. And they said, like, dude, we want you. We're gonna make sure that you know that. So it, it felt really good knowing that somebody on the other end is caring about me that quick and being able to say, hey, we want you. So it's pretty nice. And through that process, obviously, you have to funnel through some that aren't feeling that way. Right. What was probably the worst feeling that you got through the process? Because you're like, I am a stud at what I do. I know who I am. I'm confident in the game that I provide. How come this school isn't giving me that? Yeah, so I won't say the colleges or anything That's like okay. that. That's okay. No but, need uh, that. <laughs> yeah, biggest thing was just kind of um, 
seeing the I'm I'm in the boat with you, but I'm on the whole other end of the dock. I'm not I'm nowhere near you. Um, is seeing that they wanted me, but they didn't want to pull those strings or pull say the scholarship, the money, whatever it may be, and just kind of sitting there waiting. Uh, it's just it, it's a sucky process. It really is just being able to have to wait because you know your talent. So yeah. Well, and Andrew, you've been recruited for baseball mm-hmm. on some levels. And when you look at, I've interviewed the Fountain brothers who were recruited at a freshman age. Yeah, not bad. Before <laughs> freshman age. Right. So you think of this process that he's going through as a sophomore and you reflect on what you've seen. Like, I, I couldn't even imagine the thoughts, let alone the eighth graders that committed. You know, oh, it's man. it's it's just crazy go, it going through. Mm-hmm. I just had the Jordy Ball interview. She she first selected as a, as a freshman, fourteen years old, not knowing a care in the world except for I'm just here to pitch. Exactly. Like it, it's just this: what kids have to go through, I guess, to feel wanted or to feel mm-hmm. like you Got are that quick. person. Yeah, it's it's a maturity thing. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, the desire there needs to be there for somebody that's getting recruited, and it's easy to show that you're interested in somebody, but it's hard to, uh, especially as a teenager, unless you're super mature, it's hard to pinpoint maybe a little bit of distrust or, you know, get past, are you being real with me right now? Um, And that's something that I had a hard time dealing with because I wasn't as highly touted coming out of high school. Now, to put perspective for Nick, I was really fast, so I could steal bases. I could right. read a pitcher really well. And so I told a story on an earlier podcast of Kendall's that I got recruited by a school down in Alabama that only wanted me to be a pinch runner because of that stat. And then they watched me do it. And they're like, yeah, we want this. And I'm like, I don't just want to be a pinch runner. Um, and then I had other schools that show, showed interest, but they were smaller schools and none matched the criteria of how I wanted them to match the journalism school and uh, the the baseball side of it. But as I kind of get back to the point that you talked about with desire, desire was always there, but it took me a while to really understand if somebody was being fully transparent with me instead of like, and Fortunately, Spring Hill was, right? They didn't just say like, hey, we're going to offer you this. We want we want you to be our next center fielder. And then all of a sudden, they only have me set aside for a certain job, a certain role. Um, but you also not only want that feeling of desire, you want the feeling of belonging. So it goes even one step further past that. Like, are you in it for me? Because you have 80 other guys that you're dealing with right now. Now, I don't know if there's 80 baseball players, but you guys. You, you yeah, oh, yeah. There's oh, a whole yeah. bunch, How, yeah. How do you, how do I know that you're for me, but at the same time for everybody else? Like, where are you balancing your time? I'll do the work to make sure that I'm in that top 10 percentile, but are you still showing me love in the top 10% or are you working with a lot of the bottom 10% to try to get them up into the 80%, that 10, 80, 10 principle that we talk about a lot that Urban Meyer used uh, when he coached football? Are you showing the top 10% the love and you're trying to get the other 80% to become that top 10% and so forth and so forth? Or are you not showing me attention? Because what all kids want is attention at the end of the day. And more times than not, it's going to be good attention if you're doing what 
is asked of you. So it's just about like the realness behind it. See, and then when you talk about the attention with social media, it's hard to tell what's real intention mm -hmm. there. Nick, I already know you don't have to tell me, but you're not a big on the internet person. You're not no. even worried about social media. Yes, you have it because that's what it's what society, yeah, that's what right. society it tells has. you. Yeah. Well, and especially if you're an athlete, if you don't have a Twitter that has something, sometimes sure. you don't get the looks. How did you feel that love not being a person that has to rely on the likes, the the right. shareables? Yeah. How did that love either feel right from from some of the schools or feel like, man, it is just to put Nick Riggs, the name, at this school? Yeah, so the biggest thing, yeah, I'm not a guy who posts every swing I do every day. Uh, it's not my, my go-to, but I think the biggest thing was having trust in my coach, being able to say, hey, like, we have guys coming to watch you today and being able to see that. Um, like UNO did a great job on that. They uh, made sure that they were there, they were active and responding with me, and it wasn't just the name thing. It wasn't an uh, in-town guy. It was more than that. It was um, uh, an athlete, a uh, student. It was being able to get the whole thing, and they really showed, um, they really showed that well. So. And when you talk about them showing well, obviously they're showing well on that part. For me on the outside looking in, their facilities – the actual college going for, I mean, many people hate Trev Albert's name when it comes to UNO, when it comes to football and wrestling, but to see UNO as Omaha over right. university, of Nebraska, right. Omaha and see where they are today, not just in baseball, but softball, basketball, what does that feel to be a part of something that's different? It's not what it used to be. It's not right. going to be the same as they go in future. Yeah, so I think it's pretty cool seeing uh, being able to be a part of something that's up and coming. I think it's something that isn't established there already. It's not your your powered your top five schools. It's something that's up and coming, and it's cool to be a part of that. To be able to be a part of that process of um, something that isn't established that you can establish. So, so if you think of your final year for the T Birds, what is the final? imprint and the final legacy that Nick Riggs is going to leave to make sure that team was better than when you started three, two years ago. Sorry. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing, I mean, we weren't able to win state this year. Um, I think we got a great chance of Legion this summer. Um, but biggest thing for me next year is taking my guys along with me on my journey, being able to not pull them off from slacking off, whether that's um, the drama side of things, whether that's from just not putting in for as much effort. Um, being able to pull them along with me and kind of my route to winning state is something I have thought about for about ever ever since we lost in state. I've thought about that for next year. So yeah, it'll be it'll be a huge event for us. See, and I think I think the inner burning of just knowing you are that close. You're so close, you have it. You've now got the college part out, so you don't have to mentally think about that. Do you think it's all based on the mentality on when you should decide? what you're going to do for college on that part when it comes to sports? Or do you think that you made it right at the right time so then you can enjoy your senior year? Yeah, so that's what I, I was really happy on my uh, commitment uh, the time I did. I was able to kind of – it was it was a relief. It was something off my shoulders because that's – I mean, most most high school athletes want uh, is to be able to go on and play college ball and if not professional, um, takes it off your shoulders a little bit so that way you're able to focus on the now instead of the later because now is so much more important um in a time frame wise so being able to take that off and just kind of do me in high school on the baseball side is great 
Is it all on an individual basis when you went through the recruiting process? Because for me, like I didn't get looked at until I was a senior and I just thought that's just how it went until I started covering. Um, <laughs> well, that's how, that's like how it was athletes. for the most yeah, part, yeah. Right? So my, my question for you is, because we talk about a lot of timing. Like is there ever a right time to commit or is it up to just the individual? I think it's very individually based. Um, whether – Cause so it's you have to have a, a realistic mindset. Mm -hmm. If you know you can do something and achieve something, and you're working for that, maybe you're not getting it just yet. You shouldn't put pressure on yourself to reach out to every single school. Talk, they, it will come to you. I believe in a lot of cases, um, it is definitely individually based, um, depending on talent levels or like where you're at and seeing that process. I mean, if you want more, go get it. So you were you ever worried about? a school like losing that spot for you yeah so it, it was tough and so that's why yeah, you went right. a little quicker than than most or, or some i should yes. say i shouldn't say most seeing other schools kind of either whether it's my position or other guys in my class just them kind of go after that it's kind of like a oh man thing like i don't know what to do because it's one of those things as a sophomore because you well as a junior as of this year you can't talk to coaches um so it, it's tough to see other stuff like that but it was great to UNO pull a string right away and say, we want you, and it was really comfortable. Right. How do you manage that pressure, though, of, like, battling the timing perspective of, hey, I'm playing this game. I love this game. I'm always working to get better at this game. But at the same time, in your rearview mirror, you're like, ah, I see this thing coming up on me, and I know I need to do it, but, like, right. do I do it now? Because what if something better comes along? Or worse, like sure. I said, you lose you that lose spot. lose that opportunity, Yeah. Um, I, I think it's one of those things dealing with pressure, as you said, I think it's knowing where you are now. I think a lot of guys get too distracted, um, nowadays with recruiting, cause it's a huge process instead of what it used to be, um, with NIL and stuff like that is being able to see where you are now. See you're in a lane, you're fine. You've got plenty of miles to go, um, to your, wherever destination that may be. And to just kind of relax. It's huge to relax. You know, I, sorry. I'm <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the best Great. part is, is Great. he goes, I don't even know what am I going to say, but <laughs> this is what I love about this Man. show is it's never so tuned in that I have to just cancel someone out. Like, right. I love the fact that I could bring anybody on. We've never worked together. We've never done nothing except for our podcast. We're just kind of eyeballing and each other. We just yeah. know, but it's bringing the best out of the person who you oh, are. Yeah. And, and and I like what you said because you got the Fountain Brothers since eighth grade. Kyle has some big decisions because obviously the Florida State coach retires. That recruit him. Mm -hmm. Son takes over, so he's thinking, I'm in, I'm in. Son gets fired, right? And then now he has to figure it out. Going through and seeing other people around you who are in the same class as you, everybody thinks it's all so easy. Yeah. And, it, but now you feel it's easy. You you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it's, how does that change to go, man? Other people are struggling, and now I feel the easy road. How yeah. does how did that turn for you? And and. It, it was a big turn, I think. Well, just seeing it in the summer, um, or well, in um, kind of late spring, it was a big turn for me because, like I said, it was the ease thing. It was being able to play baseball and not play a big, huge, like commitment thing, and a, it's a real structured thing. Because you didn't have game. to, you didn't send out video. You just let people no, find man. it, right? Yeah. yeah. See, I'm sure you had video on a recruiting yeah, site, right? For sure, but it was it wasn't a whole thing. I let Shocky do that part. I let Coach do that part for me because he does that so well. He has shown that at 
that's um, the reason I kind of went over to play for him. He's shown It makes well. a difference when your coach wants these kids to go beyond no matter who they are well, and they find a level. Has a lot to do with yeah. that too because like when I was getting recruited, I was from a small school. It doesn't exist anymore actually back in STL. But my coaches never had somebody that went to go play college baseball right. and any at any level. So they didn't really know the ins and outs the of that process to help yeah. you get to where you needed to go. There were recruiting profiles that I put myself on. And that's like what a lot of people tell you to do. Pay like, hundreds hey, of bucks. Well, and, well, and yeah. you know, you do the money grabs and I, I'm <laughs> telling you this too, the, the real money grabs of camps, you go to yes. some, you get a mass email. Two reps. You right? get two reps. Right? Well, you get a mass email from X camp that says, hey, we want you. We want to see you. And then you're there with 150 other players. I did that twice. And then I realized, what am I getting out of this? Right. Like, you're not, this is so that they could help pay other assistants on the team. This was before third assistants yeah, could yeah, get yeah. paid and, and, you know, other things to help fund the program. Yep. So, I, I understand like those pieces, but recruiting has changed from even when I got recruited to when my dad got recruited to go swim in college. And that stuff is fascinating too. Uh, you know, for you, you can put your numbers on a sheet, right? But even though you throw 91, that doesn't tell a coach anything. No, it doesn't, it doesn't no, show it doesn't like your movement. It doesn't show if you're accurate. It doesn't show your command. Yeah. Like, yeah. ERA there, is a, a such a flaw. It doesn't show your demeanor too. on the very demeanor. Yeah. How are matters. you battling through different situations on the mound? But in swimming, when my dad got recruited, he could just put a time down and that's how you swim, yeah. right? You don't, yeah. you don't swim any slower than that, yeah. right? You, you <laughs> literally swim that speed. And so right. it's easy to get recruited, but it's just funny how like, the evolution of recruiting has gone, right? You go from times in a paper to, yeah, coaches come out and see you and then you get offers. Then you go to recruiting sites and then that you get your film out and then coaches you then play contact for travel you, teams that, right? that where you get seen now, elsewhere. You play Legion ball now, yeah. you play select baseball now, you play your college or college or high school season sport now, and it's boom. Everybody's seeing you now because of social media. Well, because <laughs> eyes are everywhere. Everywhere. And when you have the eyes everywhere, I'm glad he brought this up. What is your calming point when it comes to those eyes? Yeah, so it, it was definitely – it was something I've never experienced first time I've had coaches out see me pitch. It was it was nerve-wracking. It was like, man, like this is real. Um, but the biggest thing was kind of knowing st – still the same thing, staying in your lane where you are now. Like just because they're here, I still have to pitch. I still have to win this game. The, that the objective will never change. Because um, in the dugout, yeah, I know the boys are talking. Oh, the boys, yeah. are, you see you who's see here guy, to see yeah. Nick. You see that? Like yeah, that. That's got to be something. No matter how humble you are and how humble you've been raised, it's still, still block it out. You still got to block it out mentally, yeah. but you still have to let your team know what the final objective how do you get them over that yeah so the biggest thing they because i i've had that a lot actually just i mean that's a natural thing just having guys see like man like colleges are here it's it's tough so like when i'm warming up in the bullpen it's just me it's a reminder like hey i truthfully like nothing against you i don't care like i'm still got to do my thing um just having them know that and having my coaches know that, that i'm still who i am and that stuff won't change is this huge it's a big calming point so, of course, you've given a lot of credit where credit is due. Personal credit has to be acquired here. Going to UNO, what is UNO getting from Nick Riggs, and what are you hoping to achieve before you leave UNO? Yeah, so basically I think um, 
With me, I, I think they're getting something good. I think they're getting a guy that could be a leader. Um, I, I, I'll try. I, I mean, I'll do my best just as I have to pull guys along with me, maybe not let them tail off. I think it's more than just being able to be a great player, being a numbers guy, an average guy. I think that's the biggest thing. And I, I'm trying to leave there. Um, that's not my final destination. Um, I'm open three years and I'll be, I'll be at the next level. So, well, and you got a lot of people to look up to. We have, I, I interviewed Cade Povich last year and, uh, got his story that people don't understand the real mental struggle that a pitcher has to go through. You're going through stuff solo dolo most of the time. Yes. On the team field, you're a team. But they don't know the backside of it. They don't know that. I mean, he went down to Arizona to pitch for community college. Then he went to the Savannah Bananas, which I never knew until then. (laughs) Goes to here is comes to be the Friday guy for the Huskers. You see people that follow in those footsteps where the journey's different. You go to the some of those that are getting. Max Anderson goes right to the Huskers. Mm-hmm. Now he's going right. to go and get into MLB. You, you have see, Mike Bovey to look up to. E- at exactly. exactly. Yeah. And you see all these players, their routes different. How are you going to be able to find and guide your route to know that it's not going to be as easy or it could be easier? You'll never know until you go right. through that's it. The, that's the – um. Yeah, I just can't deviate. I think that's the biggest thing. I've That's been me and my dad's thing forever. You cannot deviate. It's um the – road less taken it's just such a cliche thing but it's true because a lot of guys won't be able to have that experience and to stay on where i'm at i mean since i was seven or eight playing coach pitch is it'll still be the same game same process as i will when i'm hopefully 30 playing um it, it won't change and i just have to make sure of that the best part about you know local right i've been to many of your games where the family is was that a part of the impact as well knowing that grandparents are able to come uncles aunts i know that like people don't understand how much that impacts a kid from a young age all the way to now is i i coached high school football i had a walk we as coaches we had a walk with 17 seniors because of parents support how does that impact your decision yeah it's huge i mean you always you always tell yourself you know you'll be fine it'll be one of those things i'll be fine going to oregon or whatnot but and in some cases you might be, but it's definitely a, a safe feeling to have everybody there. My family shows immense support. They're, they're always there. I have aunts, uncles, grandparents, everybody in the books. They're always there supporting me. So it's huge to be able to have that for four more years now. It, it's huge. Well, and, and, and it's funny that you say that. I, I DJ as well on the side, and I do this Friday gig. One of Povich's nieces actually came up because we were that supportive of, of the team. And I ain't seen her probably in five, six years. Yeah. But she's like, you just look so familiar. I just don't know how. <laughs> but wait, no, you, you you have kids, right? Like, And it's yeah. just like you never know the impact as a parent that you do, even to whether it's a, a, a niece that's just there to watch a game that she's like, yeah, this is great. But when they see the support around the kids, it, it's night and day. Well, I appreciate your story. I promise you, know you are getting a star here. He works hard. He pitches hard. But he also has the dedication to others, not just himself. And I, I think finding those players with the facilities you got. I mean, you own Nebraska last year. That That's that's mind-blowing. Now it's time to own the Summit League, though, right? Yeah. So we you get the first first hump over where you can own the the Nebraska. Now it's getting the next. 
2025 will be great for them. Good luck on your senior year and obviously finishing Legion Ball. We'll see what Nick Riggs has to bring to offer. Once again, this is a Wired Podcast Access. Wow. He'll fix that. This is the Wired Access Podcast <laughs> production of Herd at Sports. I got Andrew Rogers on my left along with Nick Riggs. We greatly appreciate you tuning in. Until next time. A Herd at Sports Network production.